Welcome to episode 15 of the Power Podcast, presented by Power Magazine and PowerMag.com. This episode is sponsored by Siemens. From decentralized industrial applications to heavy-duty power plants, Siemens is with you from the start with the most complex portfolio to cover your needs, from instrumentation and controls components to powertrains and full turnkey solutions. Siemens provides ingenuity for life. The Power Podcast is the latest offering from the longest-running power industry publication in the world. Established in 1882, the Power brand is dedicated to providing its global audience with news and information important to the power generation industry. Now here's the host of the Power Podcast, Executive Editor Aaron Larson. For this episode of the Power Podcast, I spoke to Dahlia El Tawi. Dahlia is responsible for the thermal power solutions part of distributed energy systems with Siemens Energy. Distributed Energy Systems, or DES, is a group that was established as a center of competence in the U.S. a little over two years ago. Dahlia has a very interesting background. She was born and raised in Egypt and moved to the U.S. to finish her education in 1999. Our conversation begins with her telling a little bit about her background and how she got into the power industry. When I moved to, uh, to the U.S., I went to the University of San Diego, uh, got my uh, Bachelor's of Electrical Engineering from there, uh, and also later on I got an MBA from San Diego State University. And during my last year at, uh, in uh, USD for the engineering degree, um, my undergrad, um, I interned with a company called Solar Turbines, um, and that's really what got me into the power plants. Um, I had a lot of passion for electrical engineering, and initially I was thinking more than taking the programming route. Um, so I was developing programs in LabVIEW and you know C++. Mm -hmm. and, and then I got this internship at Solar Turbines, and um, it was very interesting after I was working on a cell phone chip in an earlier intern, internship that was like that big, you know, a couple of inches. Couple of inches. Um, and I went and saw a turbine for the first time, a gas turbine. And at that time, it was a 15 megawatt gas turbine. And it was, for me, that was very big. Yeah. Uh, never thought that, you know, life and career will take me to be also, you know, fortunate enough to work with Siemens, who has like a 400 plus megawatt turbine. Um, but your question about, you know, like uh, my background, well, I grew up in the city in Alexandria, and I lived in Cairo, and through my whole time, you know, my whole life, I was living in cities, um, but also got to experience, you know, regardless where I was, you know, sometimes when you have a blackout, what does that do? And as, you know, we live in areas, you know, although they are developed, but still, you know, the, all of the, uh, you know, stress on the grid and the infrastructure and, um, you know, like all of the aging happening for this equipment and what's happening to our transmission and distribution system. And then um, hearing about, you know, um, in, in, even when I was living here in Cairo, you know, a few years ago, they were getting all of those blackouts in Ramadan, right? Mm -hmm. At the time when people were fasting and, you know, the peak of the summer. Um, all of this gets you thinking that, like, there must be a better way to do this. There must be a different way to do this. And that's what distributed energy is about. It's like, you know, rather than... Um, putting all of your eggs in one basket, those very large centralized plants, which no one is saying those should go away. I mean, those really kept us going. But, like, to supplement those and, you know, like, improve the reliability, improve the resilience, that's where distributed energy can come into place. And with what's happening now with, 
you know, the cost of renewables coming down, cost of energy storage coming down, you know, you go in places and you see almost every roof has solar PV. But then you're creating another, you know, challenge, which is, you know, those renewables are very intermittent. Um, you cannot tell the sun when to shine and when the wind to blow. And it's really opposite to, you know, the approach we always used for power generation, which traditionally, you know what times you will have your most demand and you increase your supply at that time via peakers and everything is good. Well, now it's not the same when you're depending on renewables. The sun is shining sometimes in the times when people do not need it and you end with oversupply, you know, driving negative pricing in some locations. Um, and then during, you know, the evening when people are going back home and the sun is coming down, you have to have those, you know, like... Ramping um, up so very, that you can supply the energy that they need at night. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And some of those traditional pickers were not designed to do this. So that's where my group comes into play is to kind of like, you know, whether we're talking about a green field or a brown field, um, you know, like how we integrate different technologies to really achieve the best results technically and economically. Right. And now you are, you mentioned that you kind of take from all of the products that Siemens offers and you kind of become that one-stop shop for the customer to implement these distributed energy solutions. Can you explain how and what you've kind of incorporated to make that happen? Siemens has a huge portfolio of technologies and this is great, but um, when you are a customer and you are trying to develop a power generation, side generation distributed energy solution, um, you do not want to have to go to the power and gas division to get your gas turbine or the steam turbine and then go to your energy management division to go to get your uh, transformer and switch gear and motor control center and then go to another group within you know, energy management to get your microgrid controller and go somewhere else within Siemens to get your financing, whether it's like an energy service contracting or a design, build, on operate, maintain or de-boom service. It's all Siemens to you. You mm -hmm. want to deal with one entity um, and you know you don't want to keep running into circles. And, and from that feedback we got from our customers over the years that like, you have everything, but it's very hard to come up with the solution together. That's what initiated the group of distributed energy systems where basically we work with our field sales, you know, and work with our customer, understand what the challenge is, uh, the end customer, the end user, and then work internally with all of those different business units and divisions who own the products and work with them on developing the appropriate solution. Uh, we do a very thorough analysis of what the customer requirements are, what their loads are, what their goals, you know, are, are they trying to cut costs, are they trying to be environmental friendly, are they trying to improve their reliability, their resilience, what are their plans to grow, take all of that into consideration. We, we try to get data for at least a year of like power and heat and all energy consumption. Mm -hmm. We do a sort of analysis on the electricity prices and the fuel prices in this area. And from all of that and working very closely with the customer, we basically start developing what the solution would look like. Um, and if um, the customer is interested in um, more of a financial solution also, and not by just going to a bank and getting a loan with some interest, but like a solution that's developed for financing a power plant, we work very closely with Siemens um, Financing Services, or SFS, on packaging that technical solution under a finance, financing solution also that fits the customer needs. 
could be very uh, like energy savings, for example. You know, like the, we basically work with the customer at the beginning on contracting on what kind of energy savings we are expecting, and those savings are what pay for the project over a period of like 20 years. So the idea is kind of like you know shift the payment from like a, a large capex upfront mm -hmm. to kind of like distribute it and ideally get it through the savings a customer would achieve. Kind of like similar to someone installing solar PV panels on your roof. I just installed one on my roof a couple of months ago. And that was exactly the discussion I had with the company who was doing it for me. They were like, well, let's look at your build for the last years. They did all the calculation, came up with like, what's my average? Looked at, you know, the size of my roof, size of my house, came up with a plan that here's, you know, how much it's going to cost you if you paid cash now. If you do it over 20 years, we will size it so that your monthly payment will be the same you are paying for your bill today. So you're not going to lose anything. As a matter of fact, over time, electricity pricing is expected to increase. And if you decide at any time to just pay it, you know, you don't get the penalty. Mm -hmm. um, and you are being, you know, a good citizen, you're environmental friendly. And eventually, if you add battery, um, now you can store it also. So I live in Orlando or, you know, we're mm -hmm. not too bad of hurricanes, but we're still subject to potentially you know, some blackout, mm -hmm. then if I have, you know, at least I'm able to save some power through this battery system and take care of the critical needs of the house. Right. Same idea, same concept. And you had mentioned a, uh, a plant or a, a microgrid that you worked on in California. Can, it, can you explain kind of what went into that project and, and what was the final result? How did it end up? Absolutely. Uh, so this is the Blue Lake Ranchrea uh, plant in, uh, in, in California. Uh, it used to be an Indian reserve, uh, so the community there is very cautious towards the environment and they really look at their area as something they inherited and they don't own it, they need to pass it on to the next generations and they need to pass it on just as they received it or even better. They're very environmental, you know, cautious. So we worked with them on developing a solution that's basically um, combining renewables, mainly solar PV, with energy storage or batteries, um, along with some um, diesel generators for black start and backup power running on biodiesel. So even the fuel here is, you know, considered renewable. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are able now to operate totally independent of the grid for up to seven days. Wow. Running mostly on renewables and using, you know, the other equipment just mainly for backup or for, for capability to start. Um, and that's one of the areas that, you know, I, I enjoy the most in my job is when you combine those technologies, because um, in reality, none of them are, none of them on its own is really a perfect solution for everything, you know, for every challenge from an energy perspective. And, and that's what I spend a lot of time in my, you know, when I give presentations, like I'm doing this conference, I start by giving an overview of the market and, you know, the kind of energy mix we are seeing and how different it is from, you know, if you are at the West where there's a lot of renewables and, you know, this idea that, you know, anything fossil fuel, even if it's natural gas, this is not good, it has right. to be all renewable. But like you move across the country and you get to South, South, East, or, you know, like some even of the Midwest, and you still see a lot of plants running on, on coal and, you know, they're trying to get to natural gas and this is a huge, you know, step towards going green. So we are in a very interesting time where, you know, depending on where you look at, sometimes even within the same ISO region, depending on what area within that region, mm -hmm. you know, the energy mix is very different and you have a lot of brown fields, you have some work going on for, for green fields, um, there's all the demand response, there's the concerns that, well, the 
the demand is not increasing, but at the same time we are increasing all kinds of new technologies, whether it's the phones or the pads or you know whatever we're doing that's consuming power. So yeah, mm -hmm. people are getting more, you know, cautious about using power, but like we're adding more things that are adding power right. need. The lights have gotten more efficient, but we're still adding more things to the mix. Exactly, so. the EVs is a whole other story. The electrical vehicles. I mean, just yeah. imagine when all of those folks start moving towards electrical vehicles. So we have to find ways to kind of like come up with hybrid solutions, and that's a big piece of what DES does. Is if I have a brownfield, you know, a picker plant, like a, let's say, gas turbine, 50, 60 megawatt turbine that was designed originally and, you know, installed five, six, ten years ago uh, to run during peak times from 2 to 6 p.m., you know, like now with all of the renewables coming on the grid, it's not expected to run this way anymore. It's expected to load follow so that the solar PV or the wind is taking most of the base load. And this, those, you know, non-intermittent sources are supposed to be extremely flexible. So you can start it and shut it down multiple times a day. You ramp it up and down very fast. Uh, you have uh, you know, a very low turn down, you know, like an, uh, 10 megawatt or less. This equipment was not designed to do that. There are some technologies, like the aeroderivative gas turbines, for example, can do some of this. You know, they are designed to fly, so they, are, they can start and shut down and ramp up and down fast. Mm -hmm. But like, they cannot be instantaneously available. For example, on the grid, it takes you know the smallest one takes a minute to start. Um, the bigger ones take you know five, six, up to eight minutes to start. Well, instead of saying let's keep this thing off and have it collect dust and have its owner you know go bankrupt. Why not take a look at it and see what can we do with it so that it can be flexible enough? And that's what we do. We basically take that same example and say, okay, Mr. Customer, you want to be able to participate in the ancillary services in your area here, which means that, for example, if you want to uh, participate in the spin reserve or operating reserve, you need to meet two conditions if you are, let's say, in South California. You need to be instantaneously synchronized with the grid, and you need to be able to get to the full load of you know whatever power you contracted on in less than 10 minutes. Your turbine on its own now takes about eight minutes to start. If I size a battery, let's say 10, 15 megawatt, that for the grid overall, the system is operating together. Now that hybrid of the gas turbine and the new battery system with its energy management system does exactly the two things that you need. The, the battery is always synchronized with the grid. It takes like milliseconds to start discharging. So mm -hmm. that's considered instantaneous. Um, you run on the battery and you are letting your turbine ramp up you know, normally. You're not adding any more stress to it so that you do not impact its life cycle. And le in less than 10 minutes, you are up to your 50 or 60 megawatt. Your, tur your battery can ramp down while your turbine is ramping up and you qu totally qualify. And then there are all kinds of interesting things you can do after that. Well, how do you charge the battery again? Do you charge it from any excess you're getting from the turbine? Or do you charge it from the grid at night when the, you know, power, the price prices are cheap? down and there's not that much demand left? Or even during those daytimes when there's overgeneration and it's negative pricing. So right. this is win-win. You, you charge when you know it's the, the power from the grid is that cheap and you discharge during peak times. And then... You know, ancillary services is an important area, but it's not everything. You know, you look at some of your even bigger plant, like the combined cycle, you know, like the one-on-one uh, -on -one or, you know, um, uh, two-on-one gas turbines driving, you know, steam turbines, big plants, you know, 100 plus, 200 plus megawatt. Well, 
what if you need black start capability for those plants? Because if you wait for the grid and the grid is having any issues, you cannot black start. You know, this is mm -hmm. an area that that the battery can give you. Um, another thing is, well, if you are operating in an area where there is a lot of renewables, where today in the country there are certain pockets where this is happening, but eventually everywhere will be like that, to have your turbines, if they are capable to kind of like, you know, jump all over the place, to kind of like load follow and meet those fluctuations, well, you are putting so much stress on your equipment now, you are letting it or making it cycle much more than it was supposed to, you are making it or asking it to start much more than it was supposed to. So depending on the technology, some of you know, the bigger industrial turbines, you know, adding too much stress on it like that will impact you know, the, the maintenance cost and you know, the life cycle cost. And now the period between your outages or overhauls will be a lot shorter, meaning mm -hmm. much more cost to you. Well, instead of that, why not let this turbine run on its one or two best efficient set points, you know, give the best heat rate possible, and let us size for you an energy storage system, whether it's a battery or something else, you know, like we, that differs depending on, you know, the application, to take care of all of those fluctuations. So now your turbine can run very efficiently, your battery or your energy storage system can take care of all of those fluctuations, if you were duct firing before, maybe you do not need to duct fire anymore if we size the right battery for you so mm -hmm. we can eliminate that duct firing. There are all kinds of ways to really reduce costs and generate new revenues by retrofitting some of those brown fields by combining you know, the, the proven traditional technologies, whether it's rotating equipment or reciprocating engines, with some of the newer technologies, whether it's energy storage or renewables or a combination of all. Right. Kind of optimize that system and make it work to the best of its exactly. ability. Exactly. Exactly. Optimization is really the key. And Siemens uh, developed a solution called C-Start, which is doing exactly that, combining you know some of the mm -hmm. traditional um, generation equipment with um, energy storage and particular batteries. So we uh, we already have uh, some references where we have done that on uh, very interesting examples. Like for example, in Germany, it was a steel mill that had a 50 megawatt turbine, and it wasn't a Siemens turbine, by the way, it was from another uh, OEM. And the owner of the steel plant was just getting to a point that they were very tired of depending on the grid for um, the black start or the starting capability. Mm -hmm. And they looked at the costs they are losing in their manufacturing process and got to a point that, you know, I need something else. So they could have gone to diesel generators, you know, you know um, reciprocating engines running on diesel, and that would have solved the problem, but it would have generated another problem, which is more emissions, you know, very dirty emissions. Yeah. So instead we worked with them on sizing a really small battery, like less than two, two megawatt battery, that gives them the black start capability. And th we did this with them back in 2013, so five years ago. Uh, so far, you know, has been operating exactly the way it needed. It's almost, you know, taking care of paying for itself. You know, the payback is, is fantastic. Because you look at the costs they were losing by, you know, every time or some of the time they wanted to start and they couldn't. And this is Germany where the reliability is very high. You know, you can think of other places where the grid reliability if a grid even exists, you know, like is much worse. Yeah. Um, and now we are working with them on taking that even a step further and looking at, you know, frequency response and, you know, ancillary services and um, how they can even generate more revenue out of, of the system. And that's a good thing about energy storage is that most of the technologies, like the batteries, are very modular. So let's say, you know, you explain to me today what your application and I tell you, well, here are the things that you can do, you know, one, two, three, four, five, but 
today it's gonna cost you, you know, like a hundred dollars. I'm just making up a number here. And you are only willing to pay like 30 today. Mm -hmm. So let's pick the top two, the top two important ones for you that will save you the most cost or generate the most revenue, basically meet your top priority goals. And then, you know, like next year or the year after, when the cost of the batteries drops even more, because they will as the right. volume increases and the technology improves, then we can look at the, you know, remaining. Adding some more. Exactly. So it's, it doesn't stop, you know, it's like it's, it's a great way to continue to build on, you know, what you have and, and really leverage all those technologies together. And it's like everywhere. I mean, like I'm working with universities. For, so we focus a lot on like commercial application, applications, industrial applications, as well as municipalities. And of course, utilities, they are, you know, our very important customers. And we're seeing more and more utilities now getting into like, you know, building CHP plants on university campuses, right, mm -hmm. or, or industrial campuses. So it's, it's very interesting change of dynamics of, you know, like in the past utilities would look at CHP and like, you know, do everything to stop it, you know. But now we are seeing somebody like Duke Energy, you know. Right. Um, getting involved in, 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 in actually developing all of those CHP plans uh, or other business models, you know, all over the country, you know, depending on what state and what regulation, you know, you can do. We're seeing some very interesting models where, you know, some of the major players in the utility business are really shifting towards distributed energy, whether it's CHP or renewables or combinations. I work with some universities now that have a CHP plant, you know, like a 5 megawatt or a 10 megawatt that has been running since the 90s, and they love it, and it takes care of the power and and heat needs, you know, some, some of them are using the heat for, you know, hot water, some are using it for, you know, absorption chiller and air conditioning and cold water. But they are in, in areas like Michigan, for example, right. where, you know, during the summertime when there are no students, you know, they are producing more than they need. And then comes the fall and students come back and, you know, during the peak times they get hit by all of those peak charges, you know, and very high rate charges. And they're like, well, we're generating more than we, what we need when we don't need it. And now when we need it, we don't have enough and we have to buy at this very high rate. And so we sit with them and we're like, let's look at, again, your loads. You know, let's see what makes the most sense. Do, do we add some storage to take advantage of, of um, you know, this extra oversupply you are doing? And mm -hmm. maybe you are so you're able to, like, peak shave when you need it. You are able also to sell back, you know, into you know, to the community or to the grid if that's allowed, like Northeast allows that in certain areas. Or do you need an extra generation? Do, uh, are you trying to integrate now with the renewables, with the PPA, you know, with wind, for example? So maybe you need a microgrid controller to help balance all of that. So it just, you know, the sky is the limit. Right. And it's got to be very exciting to, to go in and find these solutions and put these different options together and figure out what's the best. Uh... Exactly. The best part, I mean, for me, this is very rewarding personally. I know my entire team thinks the same way, is... When we sit with customers, everybody needs a battery. But you ask them, what would the battery do for you, or what, why do you want a battery? And they don't really have an answer. But once we start explaining to them this and use some examples and case studies and use cases, I mean, I was at an event in um, Colorado last year, and I was presenting on this topic. It was like a summit, and I was presenting on how you can use energy storage to really you know, optimize some of the existing equipment or new equipment. And there were like utilities and, you know, um, IPPs were, you know, the room was full of them. Mm -hmm. And the gentleman in the first row, you know, like he had this like aha moment, you know, and he looked and he's like, you really help open my eyes here to understand what this can do for me. And I'm like, that's it. That's exactly where, you know, our value comes in is that we understand those, you know, technologies, what they can do. You, Mr. Customer, understand your challenges um, to, you know, 
hopefully all of them, or at least most of them, we can work together on, on closing those gaps. And also this helps us understand where else we need to work to develop better solutions. You know, like, uh, so for example, one of the technologies that Siemens is doing some very interesting work on is using the oversupply from the renewables to run some uh, electrolysis on the water and separate the hydrogen, use that hydrogen to store it, and then use that hydrogen after that as fuel for the turbines. Mm. So we are running some testing on some of our, you know, SGT 800 gas turbines, which are you know, like 40 to mid 50 gas turbines. Now they are able to run up to 50% on hydrogen fuel blended with natural gas, and we are working on taking this up hopefully one day to 100% hydrogen. So it's again another way of you know like looking at what can you do to combine all of those new and you know proven or traditional ways. And there are just all kinds of other kinds of energy storage, compressed air energy storage, you know liquefied air energy storage, pumped hydro, thermal uh, thermal storage, thermal storage. I had heard about the hydrogen, and it, it seems very interesting that you can do that and use it as a storage method. So, very good. Um, is there anything else from maybe your presentations that you want to talk about, or have we covered most of the uh, major topics that you... Well, I'm presenting here in Electrical uh, Electric Power Conference 2018. This is, I think, my third or fourth year presenting in the same conference, it's a good, you know, combination of folks between engineering companies and users, you know, uh, some OEMs um, on two topics. One of them I think we covered, you know, um, deeply here, the energy storage and, you know, microgrids and hybrid solutions and integrating the technologies. And then the other topic I'm presenting on is um, renewable fuels for CHP or combined heat and power applications. Um, so, you know, talks about combined heat and power and how, what kind of, you know, great efficiencies you can get, but traditionally people think you only run combined heat and power on like natural gas or diesel fuel, but the reality is you can run it also on some um, renewable fuels like biomass, biogas, um, you know, wasted fuel like flare gas. Mm -hmm. um, and so I gave a presentation on that and I showed some examples, you know, of uh, some of the Siemens um, reciprocating engines used to be branded as the bus cord reciprocating engines in a dairy farm, you know, 440 kilowatt reciprocating engine running on digester gas and, you know, the power and the heat coming from that plant now is satisfying all of the needs for the farm. Um, and some of the heat is also used uh, for the water, heating the water for the, for the digester plant, the process itself. Hmm. Um, showed another example of uh, steam turbines running on um, sugar cane residue uh, used in boilers, you know, for the steam turbine, you know, a 31 megawatt plant in uh, Ethiopia. Uh, showed another example of University of New Hampshire where, you know, like we had a CHP plant there that was started back in 2006 running on natural gas and then in 2009 UNH came to Siemens and said, can we upgrade this to run on landfill? because they ended having a pipeline coming from the landfill site and Siemens worked with them on upgrading the, the plant and now this plant can produce heat power and cooling to so combine cooling, cooling heat and power or CCHP or tri-generation mm -hmm. and also tri-fuel system. It can run on natural gas, diesel fuel and landfill. And since they have been running on landfills, they are able now to collect renewable energy credits that they can use to invest in the campus and other areas. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, this episode of the Power Podcast has come to an end. I'd like to thank Dahlia El Tawi for joining me on the show. I'd also like to thank Siemens for sponsoring it and you for listening. Watch for the next Power Podcast coming soon.